I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. And here I am today with Miss Tammy Johnson. How you doing, Tammy? I am doing very well. Okay, so Tammy is a in California, much like myself, and she runs KSA Business. Actually, I'm in Canada, dear. Can okay, Canada. You you are talking to a pasty white Canadian chick. <laughs> what you could be in California and be pasty white. Well, yes, I could I could be, and if I was in California, I still would be because I only come in two colors: sunburned and pasty white chick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I saw the CA, and I didn't think Canada, right? So, you know, as an American, I have an extremely large ego. So, so <laughs> what does this have to do with America? But thank Well, you at least that. you know that there's a country called Canada that exists. Believe it or not, I have run into Americans that you explain that there's a country north of the border of Lake Montana, and they look at you like you are out of your freaking mind. So the fact that you know my country exists awesome <laughs> so, so you go canada and they're like so you mean north america <laughs> that's what that's what they hit you with normally well depends on who i'm talking to not all americans are as insulated as as the media would like you to believe at times but there are definitely a few of you <laughs> no definitely I, I we run into them and we're going what the hell mm-hmm. but no, totally understandable. But tell us a little bit about KSA business and what are you doing over in Canada? So I am the hold your hand and kick your ass business coach. Mm. I work with solopreneurs as early in their journey as possible, <clears throat> like preferably idea stage up to two years, because that's where I can save you so much time, money, and grief and where most people don't want to put in the effort to help. They want you after you've made it through hell and high water and nightmares and crying fits. I'm going, I'll hold your hand and kick your butt through all of that. And in case you did not know, KSA stands for kick some ass. Love it. <laughs> love it. Right. And obviously, you know, I love it because MYFB stands for mind your fucking business, right? Yep. <laughs> I'm all about these businesses that curse at you. <laughs> this is how I know you're real. This is how I know you're honest. And this is how I know you care. <laughs> right? the, the people that can't swear, I really, really worry about them. <laughs> right. Because it's it's definitely a mental thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, what's in there stopping you from just saying fuck? Yep. <laughs> but I, I, I have found through many, many decades of experiences of the people that can't say the word shit are the first ones that would stab you in the back. Oh shit! <laughs> no, I, I I do I do love that because you know what it does stem from a lot of times when people don't use profanity, it's because of some uh, assumed shame that they think is going to be levied on them. So normally, when you have people that are trying to you know avoid shame, they, they tend to be those type of people. I I can get that, and not obviously not all of them. We aren't no, saying not that, all, but right. So we aren't saying that if you don't curse that you're a bad person, but I mean, the odds go up. (laughs) So, okay. So kick some ass business. And ironically, like, so I just got out of that phase where I would have been a great client for you, right? (laughs) We just came across our two year mark and 
as all beginner businesses, I was habitually throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Yep. Right. And throwing shit and throwing shit. And eventually, once I figured out what worked, I came across the same exact thing that you're saying where, you know, I came across a lot of clients that wanted me to hold their hand. And what happens when you're developing a coaching business mm-hmm. and there's nobody holding your hand and you have people coming up to you saying, hold my hand. You go, what the fuck? Yeah. There's no hand holders. This is fucking gladiator school. <laughs> so obviously your business is the, uh, the opposite of that, but talk to me about the beginning years, right? Like, so how did you get through the idea two year phase? How did that happen for you? Did you have someone to help you through it or was it on your own? Mostly, mostly it was on my own because I started my business because I was fired because I was an employee. I was in a place I absolutely hated. It was all I could do to drag my ass into work every morning. And I was already interviewing for other jobs and one more week and I would have been gone. Wow. And I got called into the office and I got fired. And it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because if I hadn't been fired, like I said, I would have been into another job. And who knows how many more years it would have been for me to finally get pissed off enough to say, screw this shit and go out on my own. But when I was fired, I felt this great big, huge weight being lifted off of my shoulders. And I'm going, I don't have to put up with this shit ever again. And I'm starting to smile. And I even started to giggle, which really threw off the jackass that was firing me. So that made it extra fun. (laughs) And I went into my starting my business in a much better position and with a much better business knowledge than most people, but it was still so stressful and all things. So I went from making like $55,000 a year and you have that regular paychecks, you know, that it's coming in Mm -hmm. to being a business owner and we eat what we kill and you you have to lock and load. (laughs) And in my first two years in business, I maybe made about 24 grand and that's not a thousand dollars a month. It could be, oh, okay. I had a good month and I, and I, I was able to get that one done and I've got 3,500 bucks in. So you're eating like a King. And then the next month you're waiting for stuff to come in and you're doing all the work and you might've made like a hundred bucks. So you're like a starving mouse and taking all of that time in order to build my business up and more consistent and looking after all of the different things. And I'm an introvert and employee mindset is where I started. And you have to go out and do sales. Mm. That's scary. Right? No, I (laughs) I agree with you. So, so let me ask you this, right? Introvert, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people assume that I'm an extrovert and I have very extroverted tendencies, but I'm totally one of those fuck you, leave me alone people. Yep. Right? <laughs> um, so for me, I know I went through this phase where I was like, one-on-one coaching fucking sucks, mm-hmm. right? I keep getting people that want me to baby them through the process mm-hmm. and I don't want to deal with that audience, right? So I, I, I was the, I'm, still currently the most other people that you're talking about where I want you to have some revenue and I want you to have the mindset already figured out because I'm not there. Right. So the question is within your one-on-one coaching, how do you deal with the client that is 
uh, their mindset is still in that employee phase. What happens when you've run through the program and you've told them what to do and they are coming back to, to meetings without the work done and that sort of stuff? What, what does the kick some ass look like? <laughs> so number one, people in my world don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So when, when I'm working with them and I don't do very much one-on-one to be very honest. Love it. Um, I used to. So my background is actually financial services. Nice. So selling things like life insurance, which nobody wants, like nobody wants life insurance. But that's what my background is. Right. And having to go out and do sales in a different way. And I've always specialized in working with the self-employed small business owners. And one of the biggest things I was seeing is they need to be making more money. They're struggling in their business and broke people have no money for insurance or investment. So if I can help them get their business going, greedy, motivated, self-interest. So I take them through a program. So the first thing I do is I have them in my weekend small business class. And then we work on the mindset. And how do you switch from being employee to an entrepreneur mindset? And I've had about three different people over my 20 years of doing this come mm-hmm. up to me after class. And they're going, okay, now that we understand what all has to be done and how I have to do things differently, entrepreneurship is not for me. And I'm wow. going, perfect wonderful. I am so glad you put the time into the class because a lot of people will go in and they'll put in their, 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 their money, usually their life savings and their time and their relationships, but they are not the right people Mm. inside. They don't have the mindset and they're not able to switch. And then they're the ones that are crashing and burning. And I'm going, I would rather prevent you from doing that which is why, like I said, we start with the mindset. It, it. Entrepreneurship is beautiful, wonderful. And I, I'm a thousand percent unemployable. I could never work for another person again. Mm. But there are some people that can't switch to that. And it's better to find that out right off the bat. And I am not, I love my clients. I will support my clients. That's why I'm the hold your hand. But I'm also very serious on the kick your ass. Do not waste my time. You show up and we have an appointment and you had homework and you didn't do it. You're getting billed and you're not getting my time. Get your shit together. <laughs> I love it. So my partner is pretty similar, right? Um, she had her very first coach, uh, coaching client and, you know, she said she had a call. I turned around and she walked right back out the room. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. She said, uh, yeah, I stood there for five <laughs> minutes. She didn't get here. So told her she needs to reschedule. I was like, for five minutes? She's like, yeah, no, <laughs> if you're not, we're not wasting my time. We only have this much time to begin with. If you're not here on time, that's a sign that you're not serious. So I, I get the uh, mindset that you're coming from. Um, and again, as I mentioned, my approach to dealing with that, uh, I started avoiding one-on-ones, uh, opting more for the courses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my mentality is, you don't need a one-on-one with me until you've learned the system that I practice, uh, until you've implemented pieces of that system. And then there are things that aren't working. And now the one-on-one gets to be very specific, right? Um, Exactly. And it's also kind of acknowledging whether you're the, the people person or the technical person. 
And I'm a technical guy, right? And it's not that I'm not a people person, but I'm not, I'm not here to make sure that you are properly mind fucked to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, I, I want to show up and I want to work with the technology. I want to make sure that your stuff is together and good to go so that your revenue is flowing. Or I want to tell you what the marketing strategy is to go ahead and double your revenue. So I started going down the more group coaching or the more courses route. Um, but let's say you, you do have that client who comes in, right? They have earned the handholding because that's what I heard mm-hmm. from you, that yep. your clients are earning their handholding. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're kicking ass in some business. Two years comes along and you've helped someone build a successful business. Do they get the option to stick with you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, I've, I've worked with people from idea stage and I have clients that have been successful in business. 35 plus years and everything in between and product business, service businesses, all sorts of different industries. But I put my focus into helping the baby businesses because number one, they're the ones that desperately need it. Mm -hmm. Number two, they're the ones that are usually neglected because like I said, most of your business coaches are, I call them ologists and we Mm -hmm. need our ologists, but you, everybody needs a really good family doctor that can help them get things set up and help them diagnose okay this is where you're having a problem let's pull in the rightologist because there's so many business owners that are starting out and they're going i know i need help i know i need coaching and stuff so they see an ad and oh i need i need social media marketing it's it's the time of covid everything's online so i i buy this this great course not saying there's anything wrong with the course but they put all the stuff in and they Mm -hmm. put in the time and the money and the effort and it didn't fix their problem because they don't even know what their damn problem is right and that's something I see so much uh, within the social media age of uh, coaching, right? You, you have these people telling you all of these ideas and you're picking and making this Frankenstein business strategy mm-hmm. that you got from people who are doing different things. So you're listening to the social media guy over there. Mm-hmm. Then you're listening to the hardcore Google ads marketing guy over yeah. here. You're listening to the attraction-based marketing person over here. And now you think that they've, they're they saying all the same thing. It's all marketing, right? And no, the setup for each of these things is totally freaking different. And marketing is only one of the eight pieces that you need. Right. It's a super important piece. But, but it's I've seen only- businesses crash and burn because their marketing was so effective. It brought in more clients and they had no way of actually handling the clients so then they burn those clients burn their reputation burn themselves out and everything failed even though their marketing was on fucking point agreed right and i I, i've been telling people uh more so recently right there's what the i call the vsd triad Mm -hmm. and there's visibility that's where marketing fits you got to get eyes on your business there's sales ability you got to actually know how to sell the people that you've captured and then there's deliverability right Mm -hmm. like you you have to know how to actually deliver what you promise to the client yep right so with with your clients where do you see that they have the most issues within those three areas well it depends on who i'm dealing with because one of the things that i found is there's basically two types of people that start businesses Mm -hmm. the first one 
that I found that take up about 60 to 70% of your new businesses, your entrepreneur types, they're bunny rabbits. They're really good, typically at the marketing. They're mm-hmm. good at talking to people. They don't have a problem bringing the business in. They're, they're idea people. They're very high energy. They're typically more extroverted. Where they had their problem is on the deliverability part. Mm. Actually going back to the shop or the office, getting shit done, doing boring things like invoicing, bringing in the money, things like that. So I have to work with them on the other pieces. Gotcha. And I find... 30 to 40% are more like the owls. And that's definitely much more my strong point. You give us a job, we will wow you. We will deliver above and beyond. Our stuff is all, the poop is all piled. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is put together fine. Where they have the problem is, oh my God, you want me to go out and talk to a real live human being and tell them about how my business can help them. You better get ready for that heart attack because they're going to have a coronary. So they need different things. And sometimes it's been taking those two people and how do you guys work together? And all the different different ones. So everybody goes in with strengths and they also come in with weaknesses and the more important stuff, shit they don't even realize they don't know. And that's usually the stuff that kills them. I, I love that you brought that up. Right. Especially when you talked about the second type of person who, you know, they'll build something amazing and they're they're sitting here and they've had the years of hearing this saying that is not fucking true at all. Right. And when I say it, you're going to know it and all the listeners are going to be like, but I've heard this for years. It's not fucking true. It's Mm -hmm. if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Field of Dreams is one of the biggest bullshit movies if the entrepreneurs are watching it ever. Because they won't come if they don't know about it. And right. you can't just put a sign out because guess what? 1.9 million marketing messages every single day hits the average urban person. Mm-hmm. 1.9 million a day. Your brain blocks out 99.9% of that because otherwise your brain would go insane. So how do you even cut through that noise? You have to to go out and talk to people. And there's different ways of talking to people. But Mm. if they're going, I open up my shop and I put up a beautiful sign. It looks really pretty. And that's all I should have to do. Oh, dear God, you're going to be bankrupt in months. (laughs) Okay. So let's get a bit deeper on clarification. Does that mean that if I am just running Google ads and social media ads, but I don't want to get on the phone with someone, does that mean that my business is not going to be as successful as I want it to be? <laughs> do I have to talk to people? Well, you do You do have to talk to people, but it, it's, it's not always picking up this horrible, awful thing. I <laughs> hate the phone. I will do almost anything to avoid the phone. And the, the Google ads and the social media and stuff is very good. And you can have that for the majority of your stuff. And there are so many ways to make it so much more effective. Right. But it's, it's how are you doing your planning? Who are you trying to attract? How are you interacting with them when they come into your world? Are you treating them like a person? Or is it, yes, you've got this beautiful funnel that goes through, but they're just another bloody number. Mm. Okay. How are you interacting with people on your social media? 
there's 29 different ways to market. And you don't need to be doing all of them. And in fact, you shouldn't be doing all of them because it's spending you spreading yourself way too thin. But it's who are you trying to attract? How, how are you helping them? And how are you putting that out there so that the right people can be finding you and that you can be helping them? Okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now question. There's this guy out there and he wants to build his own business, but he thinks being hands-on and getting on the phone with a coach is a, a bit too scary for him, right? Um, I don't know if that's the word we want to use, right? Maybe no, he, it's a good one. Right? It's a, it's a bit scary because he knows when he talks to someone about his business and he knows that if they're a coach, they're going to have expectations, right? So he would prefer not to actually talk to you just to buy the course to get the information and to apply it. What do you have to say to that person? Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out a way to be polite about that. I'm going, okay. So what he, what he's looking for is like an evergreen course option. And there's lots of them because for coaches and stuff. And it's one of the things that I'm planning on putting together and, and it can be absolutely wonderful. But the big thing is for 99.9% of the people, they'll get that beautiful course or that book or that binder or whatever, or access to the, the full course online. You've got lifetime mm -hmm. access and they'll do it for a little while. And then life gets in the way. They get busy. They do all the stuff. And then it just ends up being another link on their freaking computer or mm. another binder on their shelf and nothing fucking happens. One of the reasons, so I do my program. So we start it with a weekend, small business class, intensive. Here's all the basics. Here's all the stuff. Then we start and then I hold their hand and kick their ass for a year through a group coaching program because I have found through two decades worth of experience that if you don't have the class and the coaching group, people don't get shit done. Mm. And I'm guilty of this too. I've, I'm all for the learning. I've taken so many courses over the years, amazing courses. And you're there for the weekend or you're there for the week or whatever. And you're going, this is amazing. I'm going to change my life and my business. This is, I cannot freaking wait. So then you get back to your office, your home on Monday and the dog's thrown up, the kid's crying. You've got a PTA interview. Um, you've got all this stuff going on and you get sucked into the regular goings on of life and nothing changes. One of the reasons why a good coach is so damn valuable is because they should be kicking your ass. Probably not as in your face about it as I am, but it's the accountability. It's the mm the building of the habits and the momentum to get stuff done. So evergreen courses can be great, but the reality is, and there's been many studies to show this, they don't get the results because there's no one pushing you along the way. We're all lazy. Wow. And we're all busy. You said something that I, I, uh, I, I definitely relate with. And I've had numerous conversations with clients, with family, with, with anybody who wants to achieve something, but they have this thing called family at home, mm -hmm. right? And what people don't understand is you may be going, let, let's say if you are 18 years old right now, you're not married, no kids, right? 
that is the freest that your life is going to be without <laughs> right and it yeah you may not have all the resources but when the wife and the kids come along they're coming not just with themselves but these are entire people with emotions and mm-hmm. now they are looking to you and what i've realized is that the main stumbling block for everyone's purpose is those emotional hiccups those emotional uh trip wires right if i get into an argument with my partner and now we're spending hours talking about the uh emotional status of our relationship it, it there needs to be balance that's basically where i'm going i'll skip the the whole explanation there just needs to be balance right you can't spend hours focusing on um emotions and what's going wrong on that's wrong in your life and neglecting your business but also you can't neglect your business and if you do want to just tend to the things in your life for god's sake build a team right well i'm all i'm all for building a team and stuff like that and even when things are going well it's you have so many demands on you so like Mm -hmm. i told you i started my business because i got fired then i decided to make my life even more interesting and then shortly after I started my business, I got pregnant. Mm. So I had to build a business and a baby at the same time. I took 30 hours of mat leave. Like wow. my daughter, I was seeing, I was, I was working until noon the day I gave birth. My daughter was seeing clients with me before she was two days old. I missed teaching one class because that's literally the day I gave birth. She was teaching with me the next week. I did my first trade show with a newborn when she was two weeks old. And a lot of the programs and the advice that I would get would work great for a man that's got a wife and an assistant and all of this stuff. Cause they say, well, you need to dedicate a whole day to what, what's a production day and the stuff that's going to make you money. I'm going, are you fucking kidding me? I have to work in between baby naps and feedings and diapers. I've got like 15 minute chunks. I've got 30 minute chunks and I'm going, I have to make this work. And how, how, do you, how do you do that? And one of, one of the things that helped me, um, I was about a year into my business and I was introduced to a great group, group coaching program. Mm-hmm. And it helped me a lot, not so much with like technical knowledge or anything like that, because I had that, but I met some of the absolute best people. And before I started my business, all of my social circle were all employees. And when you are in business, you need to be surrounding yourself with other people that are in the arena and playing the game. Because I was like, my friends that we had before, and like I told you, my first two years were very, very stressful because not making a lot of money, pregnant, having a baby, all of this stuff. And I would, they try to have a conversation with me and I talk about the things I'm stressing, but they look at me like I was speaking Klingon. They could not wrap their head around it. But when I hooked up with that group business coaching program, I was, I met all sorts of other business people in different stages and stuff. And I could talk to them and, 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 and get advice and connections. And how did they get through this? And I was able to share and help with the stuff that I've learned and, and with my things. And a lot of those people are still very good friends and even clients. Wow. I love, I love that you mentioned you have to get a community Mm -hmm. of those like-minded people because 
it is very important. One of the things that uh, I've noticed, you know, starting my business and, you know, I've had a number of businesses over the past 10 years. This is just the one that uh, I'm working on now that is the most successful. So I'm happy. I'm a, I'm a proud papa today. <laughs> but that being said, it's also realizing part of the reason why you do need to get that community around you. Let's say you're out for beers with friends and as you're drinking, um, you start talking about a TV show, a TV show that you didn't get a chance to watch because you were working on, you know, your marketing strategy, you were working on your business strategy, your, your messaging needed to be touched up, right? Um, you needed to check what was going on with your funnel because you have people deadlocking at a certain point, right? So you didn't watch that, right? Now, two things are going to happen. <laughs> One of two things that end up happening. Either you're the weirdo for not watching TV, right? Because we know how we are, yeah. right? Or you could be, and there's a lot of business owners out there that are like that. And if you're thinking it's not you, it's probably you. You, you turn into the person who goes, oh, well, you know, I didn't have time to do that because I was working on my business and my business, my business. And from, you got to understand how that sounds on the other side, right? On the other side, while you're looking at yourself like this business owner who's been humbled by the work that you have to do, all of your friends are looking at you like, okay, dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not even necessarily that they're going to think you're a dick. Depending on how obnoxious you are, you might go fucking asshole. But most of them are just, like you said, they just, they cannot wrap their head around it. Like it is such a completely different world. Like our social circle, we used to get together every year um, before Christmas. And before we all started having kids, we go out to a restaurant and things like that. When we all started having kids, because all basically together, we moved to like potlucks and we would rotate around where we were having it. Right. And it, I was about a year and a half into my business and they're talking about, well, I have to put in my, my holiday request for next year. And I might be, I have to figure, I have to see if I'm getting a, a 2% cost of living allowance raise or the 3.5, or I'm trying to get this next promotion and stuff like this. And I'm going like, I can't even fathom having to go through that crap anymore. <laughs> and one, one of the ladies there who didn't know me very well, she was relatively new to the group. She looks at me and she says, you're already doing everything you want to do, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> it's just, you've gone a completely different way. And most of those people that were my, my friends, they're still my clients and I still like love them. And we can talk about the kids and all of that stuff, but that's about it because I can't wrap my head around the employee mind. Like, Having to ask permission to take a bloody holiday or take time off because we got sick or anything like, I can't wrap my head around that. No, I, I agree. And I think one of the things that I, I, I love about what you do and the way that you present your business is I've heard complaints from non-entrepreneurs that what entrepreneurs do is they come around and they paint this picture of the perfect business life, right? And what a lot of wannapreneurs that are watching entrepreneurs paint this picture thinking is like, they're going to step in, it's going to be easy, it's going to be great. 
And then when they realize that, oh yeah, (laughs) right. When they realize that it's not easy, they go, "Hey, fucker, you lied to me, right? Why didn't you just say it was hard?" It was like, for for some entrepreneurs, what you have to understand is that these are really like the gladiators of today. Like some of these people are enjoying how difficult their life is. So you should take what they're saying with a grain of salt, because. I'm one such person. I, I could not, for example, let's say tomorrow rent was due, right? I'm not going to post going, oh man, rent was due. I wish things were, were great. I'm going to be like, man, I'm excited. I got this amazing challenge coming up. I, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sell because it is you eat what you kill. Mm-hmm. And being married to that mentality is a different thing. And it's so exhilarating that I think what happens is a lot of times uh, as entrepreneurs, we, we remember all of the passion, but we forget to display it with practicality for those who aren't in the life. So, but, here, but here's the thing. I know an awful lot of employees that work hard. Mm. They work damn hard. True. They're putting, they're putting in the hours, they're putting everything in. <coughs> um, they're going through all sorts of stress. So it's not that they're willing to work hard. And yes, you start your own business. There is no such thing as easy. You better be willing to step up to the plate and be challenged. And you're going to be working, especially in the beginning to get that thing going. You are Atlas pushing the freaking rock up the damn hill. So you have to be willing to do it, but it's a different type of work. So perfect example. Um, I have a client, love him dearly. He is a plumber. He is is, um, a journeyman plumber and all this stuff. And he works very, very hard. And when he would have to do on call over a weekend, once a month, and on call means he wasn't home for 96 hours because he's doing the plumbing calls at two o'clock in the morning. And then, okay, he thinks he can go home and go to bed. No, he got another one. So he's out for that one and working really, really hard. And I had an opportunity through my, my channels a, a good sized town where he wants, like pretty close to where he actually wants to be. He doesn't want to be in the city anymore. He wanted more of the rural lifestyle. I'm going, they don't have a plumber in the damn county. Wow. If they, if they have a plumber for a build or, or an emergency or anything, they are calling from the two cities. The closest are two hours away. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going, I will help. Like I will introduce you. All you have to do is basically hang out your shingle. I will help you get all the business stuff set up. You will have no problem whatsoever. You could sell your house and for the equity you have in it, buy a bigger house cash in the town where you want to be. And he looked at me and he says, I'm not willing to work that hard. And he wasn't, he's not a lazy person, but he wasn't willing to make the switch from employee mindset to entrepreneur mindset. Mm. That was the hard he wasn't willing to do. And he was honest. I don't understand it, but he was honest. I, I, I like I like that you you brought it back around too because I don't I, I as an employee I worked hard and my my mom is an employee I learned my work ethic from her, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I don't think my mom has the stomach for entrepreneurship and that that's just being honest. But no one that I've met outworks this woman, right? Yeah. Like. She, she will work a 10 hour shift, come home for two hours, check on you. Like, this is what my childhood was. She'd come home, check on me, make sure dinner was made. Right. 
love you, hugs, go bathe, all of that, back out, I got to go to work. Mm -hmm. And never a complaint. So I I definitely understand those who um, are willing to work hard, but I, I I also understand that part of what motivates them to work that hard is that they know that the check is coming in if they put in the work. Mm-hmm. And the difference as an entrepreneur is I could put a whole shit ton of work in and still not get paid. Yeah. Right. The work, the, the, the work is front end loaded. The right. money comes in further to the end. Like you said, my first two years made on average a thousand dollars a month. And it wasn't a thousand dollars a month because that would have been a whole hell of a lot easier. But after I hit the two year mark and I built up this business stuff, I haven't made less than a hundred grand in almost 20 years. Wow. So, and, and my friends that went, like I said, it was really financially stressful right at the very beginning because all the different things going on. And then when I, when I started to get the business up and running, they're going, you're so lucky. Look, my ass. Did you forget all the crap I went through and how hard I worked? But I was willing to suck up the pain and suffering in the beginning and keep learning and going. And I'm still doing that now. Like I'm moving from the, the, the face-to-face way of doing things, which has worked very well for two years, 20 years, to now having to move online and stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm meeting people and picking up clients literally all around the world. Wow. I love it. So, so question, right? This forces a reality into play that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And there may be a listener that is sitting there with a sinking feeling right now of there's this goal that I want of running my own business and doing the thing, but I don't want to work that hard. And I'm looking for something that's easier than what the fuck you two on this podcast are talking about, right? What do you have to say for that person? Um, If you ever find anything like that, let me know, because good fucking luck. I've never found that to exist. (laughs) (laughs) My thing is that I I think there's this, this concept of like mutually accepting what the opposite of that truth means, right? And the opposite of a truth isn't always true, but at the same time, this is one of those conundrums where it's like, well, in order to get what you want, you have to put in the work, but you don't want to put in the work. So then what are your options? If even if you go to, well, I'm going to leverage other people's work, other people are not going to work for you if they don't see a substantial amount of work to build Mm -hmm. the foundation for them already right? People are not going to come in and build your business. There are businesses already built that they can go work for, for much more money and much better benefits. That's how- And much more stability because it's already built and they've proven something, not somebody with open- Dear, dear, I I would like to be able to eat whatever I bloody well want anytime and never have to go to the gym. And I would like to look like freaking a supermodel ain't gonna fucking happen <laughs> i mean if if you hunt it and that's the whole point of the entrepreneur model right like if you're the person hunting well it also depends what you want right like if you're mm-hmm. hunting ice cream you're not <laughs> you're not gonna look however you want but that i think that's the beauty of the entrepreneur model it's 
it's submission to the process and submission to that reality that if you put the work in, you will have what you want. And it is about eating what you kill. So all of this time that you spend hunting, right? All of this time that you spend going out and getting the kills, right? Is supposed to be what helps you stay in shape, whether it's mentally mm-hmm. or physically. Well, and, w- and one of the many reasons why I absolutely love business is number one, if you're bored, you're doing it wrong. That part. You're, you're doing it wrong. And you can always, you're always learning. You're always growing. You're always improving. And those skills, when you're doing them right, they reflect out into all areas of your life. The things that you can learn in business can help you have a better relationship at home with, with your partner and your kids and your, in your family. And, and, and you become so much more confident, like the stuff that used to terrify me 25 years ago when I was an employee or, and 20 years ago when I start like that's, that's absolutely nothing. Like that's not even a hiccup in my world right now. The Mm. challenges and the stuff that I'm learning now keep me from getting bored and I will figure this all out. And 10 years from now, that'll be a hiccup. I don't want to know what's going to be stressing me 20 years from now. (laughs) True. And I definitely agree with what you said, right? Because um, I think for, for a lot of people who know me personally, they know that my background is in cybersecurity. And I had the amazing opportunity in front of me to merge what I picked up from data analytics and some of the data science stuff that I picked up while I was working for these global 500 companies. And I can apply that to marketing and it cut my learning curve so fast, right? Oh, huge. And that's what a lot of businesses, um, a lot of the skills that you realize that you bring to the table in business are really hodgepodge skills from all throughout your life. And you're like, oh, this is useful here now. And this is useful. (laughs) And this is the only thing in my life that has made full use of all of my capabilities. If I go to work for someone, I'm only going to be 75% fulfilled. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in this business, I can pull out all of the tricks, all of the, the tools in my, my uh, utility belt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that at the end of the day, when I look at what's created, yes, I have confidence. I can go market this. I can go tell you about this because this is a work of art. Yes. Right? That's the feeling that, you know, I hope that your clients have, that you have, I know you have, right? <laughs> um, and that I want all of our listeners to have. So that being said, the question is, someone has the idea, right? And they're about to take their very first step. What should that step be? Are they still employed and then looking to be moving or have they been like pushed or jumped? Where, where are they? Let's, let's, okay. Let's start with the person who is still employed, but they want to get the fuck out of there. Oh, okay. That, that's the absolute best place to be because life is so much simpler <laughs> and, and, and you have more confidence when you're still getting that steady paycheck. I'm, I'm a big fan of, like I said, can we transition? Which is why I said idea stage up to, two years. I, I would say the first, the first thing that you need to be doing is you need to be finding yourself a good general business coach that can help you figure out where are your strengths so that you can build upon those, where are you weak so that you can deal with that either by bringing in help or building up your skills there. And most importantly, 
what you don't even have a clue about so that you are putting together as, as strong a foundation as possible that you can build on when you are ready to pull the trigger. Because if you don't, the more of the pieces that you are missing, the higher your chance of failure. And mm. the, the failure rate of businesses before two years is, is horrifying. 90% won't make it. Wow. And that's unnecessary. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you there. So now let's talk about a slightly different person. Uh, they don't have the job. They, they've been pushed. So either they've gotten performance improvement plans and they know that the, uh, the boot is coming or they are just out of the job. So however they turn it, they no longer have a job, but they're, they're only a minimal amount of time removed from the job. How do you deal with that person? It, it, it uh, once again, go back to a really, really good business coach. Nice. Um, but if, if you need to be getting up and running faster and you're on a super, super tight budget, um, <clears throat> the, you need to be getting yourself the e-myth by Michael Gerber, the e-myth revisited. I call that the business Bible. And what's the name of the book one more time? Oh, it's called the e-myth. The e-myth. Got you. As in the entrepreneur myth. Got you. So that you could start getting a good look and you need to find yourself a really good business network. Mm. A really good business network. There's all sorts of really good ones out there, depending on personality and, and different types of businesses and stuff like that. But when you find the right business network, you can get a lot more help an awful lot faster because you are surrounding yourself by people that are in the arena playing the game and you're going, I'm just brand new to business. What, if you could go back and, and talk to yourself when you first started, what would you say to yourself and have to learn? And you can gather in a lot more information an awful lot faster if you've already been pushed. All right. I love it. I love it. So that, so that's onesies and twosies. Uh, let's say this person's jumped. They're a year into their business. They're not quite making the revenue. Maybe they're bringing in a thousand dollars a month, right? And obviously it's a struggle because they're in a tight spot. How do you deal with this person? I always go through and take, take a look and go figure, figure out what your, what, what your strengths are. Where are, where are you bringing in your clients from? And then where are you having your issues and going, okay, um, how can I find more of the clients that I like? Once again, like I said, being part of a really good business network having a really good business coach because they can help you go through and figure out where are you strong? Where are you weak? Where are you having difficulties or see if you can find somebody that's willing to mentor you. And one of the things I say to everyone, no matter where in the stage you are, what are you doing for formalized? And when I say formalized, I mean, it is a set spot in your calendar, in your daytime or every day where you are actively working on learning something for your business, wow. whether you're being uh, reading a book on sales or listening to a audio podcast on that, or is it social media marketing, or I need to be figuring out my financials. There are so many amazing resources out there, especially now with COVID and the podcasts and stuff. But what are you doing every day to be making sure that you are building up your business knowledge? Wow. I, I love that. 
So for those of you listening, if you're less than two years into your business, less fucking Ozarks, more fucking Audible. <laughs> yep. I love my Audible subscription. I I listen to, on average, a book to two a week, and I read every single day. And I've been in business for coming up on 30 years. Wow. So Audible was one of those first places that uh, I just really fell in love with as an entrepreneur or trying to get my stuff together. And that that was it was really surreal for me when they started opening up podcasts on Audible and the MYFB podcast being on Audible. I felt like like, did I make it? Am I like in there with the titles that I read? Like, is this right underneath? There's, so the way it looks in my Audible right now is there's Principles by Ray Dalio and then the MYFP podcast. I smile every time I see it. Right? Awesome. When, when I first started, Audible didn't exist. So how I started building up my, my audio, audiobook library, because like I said, I, I'm one of these, I'm old. So I have an actual iPod so that my phone doesn't ring when I'm at the gym and I go through my books, but I collected a lot of um, the audiobooks from mm. my public library. Nice. And then I put them into my iTunes and then could do it that way. So I built up a lot that way. And now I have my lovely audible subscription and I've got my wish list for books that we're going through and constantly learning new things and getting different ideas and Love it. Love it. Okay. So let, let's talk about that a little bit more. I run a knowledge-based business, right? Or education-based business, as we talked about earlier. What advice do you have for people who are starting their education-based course? Um, and they really just need to make sure that they're answering the right questions. What are some of the questions if they're tailoring uh, towards entrepreneurs? What's a What's one question that you can say that, that an, an education business for entrepreneurs or for business owners absolutely can't get away with uh, without having an answer to that question? Oh, oh, that, that's an excellent, excellent question. Not quite the answer that you're looking for, but what I would go is you need, you need to be real. Mm. Don't talk out of your ass. Don't talk about stuff you don't know about. Don't try to overinflate. People want honest. People want people who actually know what the hell they're talking about because there are so many posers out there. There are people that have the perfect Instagram pictures and all of this stuff and they know shit. I, oh my God, be, I'm so glad you said that. Be real i've come i've I, i've seen so many of them and i'm going like not to necessarily do, but you have these 20 year olds that are all over instagram and they're saying i will help you build the business of your dreams and you'll be successful forever and they're going dear you know shit you're 20 <laughs> you haven't accomplished fucking anything you're beautiful and thin and pretty and yes you know how to be doing social media off your phone and yes, your stuff looks great. If you want to talk about that, but you don't know actually dick about starting a business. So talk to me when you've actually like you've earned some wrinkles, you've been through some crap. Um, you've had some difficulties, not my parents have supported me and I'm a privileged little white girl who's had everything handed. And yes, I've got all these followers and people are buying my, I'm sorry, you are not an expert. 
I want to talk to people who have been through hell, have survived. You haven't even been in, you've been in business for three months. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I keep every, oh man, this is the second time this has happened, right? So I need to get you and another guest that I've had on, on a panel, um, her name's Erin Moore, and she runs this business called Authentic as Fuck Coaching. But so you oh, guys I, are, I like her already. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you guys would really get along. But on her episode, she just did the same thing to me that you just did to me, where it's like, she's like, oh, I'm so sick of white woman coaching the eat, pray, love. And I was like, what the fuck? Yep. No. Cr- oh, oh, dear God. How- Give me the tums if you're going to be that shit, because you're making me nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and you know what, from the outside looking in as, you know, uh, this, this is something that I've, I wanted to talk about, but, and I'm glad that we can talk about it now. Mm-hmm. There's been an increase of women in business. And like you said, young women in business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's like limited to just white women, young white women starting business. I'm seeing young black women do this as well. Uh, just young women, period. Right. And young men for that matter, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not letting anyone off here. And within this trend, it's they start niching down and they go, I only work with people who are at least the splitting image of me, right? And it, it, it drives me up a wall. I, I understand it as, you know, you're marketing, you got to make sure you niche down. But if you are a... 27 year old uh, white woman that works with white women in their 20s, right? Then it's also understand you have a lifestyle business. Yep. People are coming to you because they want to be like you, not because they actually think that you can help them accomplish a purpose. And also, it's, it's kind of recognizing some of the business that they may be turning away may be better for them than the business that they're attracting. And I'm saying that in terms of the amount of times that I've wanted to work with maybe a copywriter or a social media manager. And I go and I look at the headline and says, I help women do X. I go, okay. Yep. (laughs) Right. And I'm going to take my Y chromosome and walk away. (laughs) Right. And I I also think it's rightfully so it's a great warning, right? It's a great warning, but I worry that we're actually going in the opposite direction with business. And that's where I wanted to talk to you about. Like, do you think that the causes of the world, whether it be equality in women, with women, right? Equality when it comes to women's pay, um, more representation when it comes to minorities in certain industries mm-hmm. or women in certain industries, uh, having this understanding of just respect for people do you think that that is degraded by the coaches and entrepreneurs that say I only work with a subset of people that look like me talk like me and behave like me for the most part yes I will put a caveat on that because for for certain ones they're not saying women like this or whatever like there's some coaches and programs that are very very specific per industry and things like that. And right. if you're looking for a lot more of like the technical in-depth stuff like that, 
that can be really, really good. Right. But for the most part, I don't like those ones. And I'm for the most part against niching. I understand why, and it makes it a little bit easier to sort out, to find your ideal client and stuff like that. But people say, well, what's your niche? Um, my niche are people who want to get shit done. I right. work, That's a I work niche. with every like trades people, um, the airy fairy woo woo types, professionals and everything in between. And I love that because number one, that's where I new ideas and stuff comes from by, by mixing people from different backgrounds and interests and things like this. And I've seen, because I've been doing my small business class for 17 years now, I've seen all sorts of people because we get to know each other very well over the three days, become friends and start doing business with one another. And they're still doing business with one another and helping and sharing 15 years later. Wow. And that's how, how we learn and how we get away from the, from the prejudice and the stereotypes and the bullshit. If you're going to put yourself in an echo chamber, that helps no one. And it especially doesn't help you. It's been shown in so many uh, research studies and things like that. Like, even if you're looking at corporate, the more diverse, and when I'm talking diverse, we're talking gender, we're talking race, we're talking ethnic background, we're talking age, the more diverse your company the better you will do financially. Because if all you're getting is old white men, like in my industry for financial services, or your, 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 your 28 year old Instagram influencers that they only look, think and act like me, you're in a silo and the world's gonna take you out. I, I love the fact that you, you said it that way. And I think one of the things that concerns me about that is Let's say hypothetically, right, as a black man that I found a uh, coach on Instagram that was a 30-year-old black man or 30-something-year-old black man. And he had a group that was for black men in their 30s working on businesses. And when I went to that group, all of these men had haircuts. They were dressed a certain way. Uh, it was encouraged to present yourself similarly to the people in the group. And let's say I didn't want to do that. Let's say I like my hair. Let's say I like looking dressed down, even if I'm going to a business meeting, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg doesn't put on a suit unless he's going to Congress to, <laughs> to bullshit you about why he sold your data. So please don't block me for that one, Facebook. <laughs> um, so in, in that space, what I, I realized is that it's also damaging to the group that you intend to help, mm -hmm. especially once you start clicking within your group and saying, oh, well, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. Because now if you're the person who went to this group seeking refuge, right, the world outside doesn't accept me because of who I am. And you now find your group of people. And now the people who are most like you don't accept you for who you are as well. Uh, it becomes far much more damaging and you're actually setting that person back further than actually helping them for it. And that's where I, I kind of get concerned with it as well. Fully agree. And the other thing, like I said, I would, I would put in, like I can, there's pros and cons to both because I, I don't know if we're on video, but you can definitely see me. I'm a middle-aged white woman. <laughs> right. And some people, a 30-year-old black man might look at 
my middle-aged white woman asked and go, what could you possibly know about the struggles that I'm going through and different things like that? So they might be more comfortable starting in that group where it's targeted to the 30 year old black males in looking into getting into business. And that could be a good way to get in because you're not going to be holding back and and doing things that you might be doing with me right off the bat. Mm. They have their different places, but I'm going, if this is the only place that you ever want to play or feel safe, you're doing a disservice to yourself and a disservice to the group. So with that, with pretty much everything I'm going, it depends. There's very few things that are black and, and, and white. Yes or no. There's appropriate for, for different ones. So like I said, I work with anybody who's willing to do, do the work. I curse, I tell bad jokes. I'm very, I'm aggressive for some people. I'm assertive for others. Depends on how you go. I have Baptist pastors for clients. I have Muslims for clients. I have Mormons for clients. I have black people for clients. I've got white people for clients. I've got North Americans, Europeans, Australians, all over. I am me no matter what. (laughs) You have a diversified uh, customer portfolio. (laughs) And I learn from those people and get different things. And then I'm able to to share what I learned from working with my tradespeople to come up with different marketing ideas for my massage therapist clients and stuff like that, because you get all of this different information and you get to have it get together and come up with new baby ideas. So in this, this is where I 100% agree with you. If I was, for example, I was doing hypnotherapy last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've since broken for from it. I've mentioned that several times on the podcast, long story short, um, too emotionally involved for my, for my liking. Right. But if I didn't do that, and if I didn't accept clients that were slightly different from my demographic or completely different from my demographic, right. Like if I didn't have the, who, what, what, how I would describe this person is like the female version of myself, right. Mm-hmm. Very ambitious. Uh, but what happens is when she isn't in relationships, she self-sabotages, <laughs> right? I would have never known that was a fucking thing. Yep. <laughs> right? And it was just so fascinating to me. I was like, oh my God, you have to be in a relationship for you to feel mentally secure enough for you to work in your business. But if you work in your business, you'd be financially secure enough to pursue a relationship, right? And- I think it's important as a coach, as a entrepreneur, as someone who hopes to teach and mentor people, that you understand the different ways in which people operate. And if you don't understand the ways in which people operate, you're, you're not, I, I, you know what? I'll say it like this. You're not a business owner, right? You're not a true business owner because I believe all business owners are de facto leaders yep. and leaders give a fuck about who their people are, mm-hmm. right? It's the bosses and the supervisors that don't give a shit or could give a shit less. But leaders actually care who they pe- who their people are. Oh, yes. Okay, so we're now at the point in the podcast where we would hit story for a story. And that means you tell me a story and I'll trade a story back with you. <laughs> well, what type of story do you want, dear? I have tons of them. Okay, so let's go... 
wild, crazy fun. But if you can tie a lesson into it, we love it that way. That's usually what we go for. Wild, wild, crazy. Did I mention I'm a pasty white old woman? Yeah, but you got <laughs> pasty white old women have uh, wild, crazy stories. Not any that would be appropriate for this podcast, but oh, just uh, this podcast isn't about uh, being appropriate. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, great. A, a, a good story. How about you go first? Let me think about that one here. Okay. All right. Um, let's go. It's starting to think of a good story. Okay. I'll tell you guys a story about how I got picked up at a bar when I was 18. Right? So I had just joined the Marine Corps not too long, right? I finished my three months in boot camp. So I was officially a Marine and I finished my month in Marine combat training. So I was trained and I was good to go, but now I needed to go to my MOS school and my MOS school was in Athens, Georgia, right? So in Athens, if uh, anyone's familiar with Athens, it's uh, home of UGA. So the Georgia Bulldogs are over there. And it's a party city, right? Like it's a small town, but it's a, it's a small little party town. You, you get to have some good times over there, right? And if you're in the military and you're 18, they're not going to card you. They're just not going to do it. Um, <clears throat> so I was in this bar with my friend, and this was our first night where we had uh, full privileges to be out all night, right? And this lady comes up next to me, right? Middle-aged white woman. So she's like, gotta be in her 40s. And she has like the, the default Bob haircut, right? Where this side is just long enough to sweep beneath her chin. She's got the Karen. Yeah, the Karen, right? <laughs> and no, she's a little bit thicker, right? And I'm cool with that. I don't got no problems. I'm 18 in a bar, <laughs> right? I don't care so long as I'm drinking in this bar. She starts talking to me and she goes, oh, you know, yeah, they used to call me jailbait. And I'm like, lady, you're 40. I'm the jailbait. Used to. Right. <laughs> used to being the operative word. <laughs> and she keeps talking. She goes, oh, well, you know, duh, duh you know guys you used to get in trouble for talking to me i was like yeah you're about to get in trouble for talking to me ha 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 ha. we laugh about it and i go okay obviously you're not sitting here talking to me because you just like buying me drinks lady right so we ended up going to uh going to the park walked around the park my friend is now looking for me right and i'm doing things that you shouldn't do in a park and so he finds me, he goes, hey, man, let, let's dip. So we go back to a hotel. She comes back with us, right? Had a great night. And, you know, morning comes and now it's time to do the walk of shame, right? Except I'm an 18-year-old Marine. This isn't a walk of shame for me. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. I just got this lady to buy my drinks all night, right? And now she's feeling bad as she's walking home. This is amazing. So that was the story of how I got picked up at a bar when I was 18. Okay, I've, I've, I've got a good one. Thank you for going first because that gave me, gave me an idea. So it was, it was a few years ago 
and and I have a wonderful, beautiful client who had a pole dancing business where she would teach people how to do workouts and stuff at the pole and pole dancing. So she came down and I had a pole dancing party for, for me and a bunch of my friends. And I was asking her about, I said, I've seen pictures where the pole is like spiraled and going, why would they do that? And she said, I have no idea. I've never even heard of a spiral pole. I said, well, I know they have them down at um, the French Maid, which is one of the strip clubs here in, in my city. So nice. I said, okay, Saturday night, <clears throat> why don't we go? So there was about four of us that went down and we're just, we're just watching and, and talking and having fun and stuff. And one of the guys comes around, he says, well, it's Saturday night and in the private room over there, we actually have male strippers. So if you'd like to go over there, you can actually see some men instead of women. We're all over that. So we go and watch the show and, uh, I ended up giving business advice to the new stripper because he was, he nice. worked at the club, but he was also doing like bachelorette parties and things like this. And I'm not even sure how the conversation started, but after his set, he came and sat down at our table and we weren't trying to pick him up because he was a very good looking man, but I'm a very tall woman and he came up to about here on me. So not really my type. <laughs> But we ended up giving me and, and my friend that had the pole dancing business spent about 45 minutes giving him nothing but business advice. So that's probably the most interesting experience I've ever had at a strip club. <laughs> wow. So the moral of both of these stories, right? Me being 18 and being picked up at the bar and you giving business advice to the male stripper. Male stripper. <laughs> is that there's opportunity in diversity. Yes. That, that's the, <laughs> the message I got. That, that's what I'm understanding. That guy would have never got that amazing business advice. And who knows? Maybe he didn't use it to even be a stripper. Maybe he's now like an accountant. Who knows? Oh, he could be. It, it was it was it was a, it was a few years ago. <laughs> but my husband, when we came back after all of this, he says, only you, <laughs> only you would end up going to the feelers and ended up giving up like a whole bunch of business coaching <laughs> that, that, that seems like, so for anyone listening, if you're in Canada and you need a friend like Tammy, <laughs> go ahead and reach out. These are the type of friends you need. Well, reach out no matter where you are. Right. It, wh whether you're on your way to Canada from Canada, <laughs> or, you know, you just figured out that Canada existed in the yeah. beginning of this podcast. Canada exists. <laughs> All right. So, Last question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. What is the one thing that you would tell the struggling entrepreneur right now that will help them transition from struggling into thriving? You can't, you can do it. Um, I don't know who has the quote, but it's absolutely perfect. Embrace the suck. Mm. Because you're going to go through a lot of suck not just in the beginning, all throughout. The suck's just going to change. And if you're trying to think that you just have to get to a point and all the suck's going to go away, you're going to drive yourself insane. When you realize that the suck is part of the journey and it's where you learn and where you grow and it's where you get better, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier. You are not alone. You can do it. You just have to put in the work. And the work can be much easier than you think it is. Usually the hardest thing is just making the 
emotional mm. choice, not the intellectual choice, the emotional choice to get shit done. Man, I love that. And so true. Everybody listening, go be great.